What, what do you say to that except, Jordan, I know it's been a rough week, rough week, and, um, and I'm praying for you and everyone who's inflicted with similar conditions, but uh, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. My name's Andy. I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, you know, we really wanted to have some level of lightheartedness um, uh, entering into uh, really a topic today that's, that's it's a heavy subject. Uh, we're in this message series where we're learning how to confront the elephant in the room, not easy uh, subject matter, and, and yet something that, that, that I think we find that we all just really desperately need, uh, uh, especially when you consider uh, three uh, rather obvious facts. Uh, first, that w- we all have relationships, don't we? I mean, we're all, uh, we're all connected to one another in some form or fashion. We, God created us to be in community. We, we all have community of some sort, uh, whether it's uh, family or friends or uh, people who we work with, coworkers, neighbors, uh, people in our journey groups. Um, uh, by the way, uh, I, I just want to acknowledge uh, we, we kind of wound up our, uh, our signups for journey groups the past uh, couple weeks, and we had 75 uh, new signups uh, for journey groups. You, you add that into the 130 or so uh, folks who were already connected to a group, and, and that is just amazing news. We're just uh, uh, thrilled about that. There's still time. Uh, check out your bulletin insert. There are ways that you can still get connected to a group. Uh, it is so important to be in community. And, 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 and that's, that, that's really the point. Is the point is we all have relationships. But uh, second, I mean, we all have problems. And you, you and I, we, we have issues. We have sin in our lives, stuff that isn't the way that it should be. And, and everyone who you are in relationship with has, has similar problems, too. Now, maybe your issues aren't as bad as what we just saw in the video. Uh, it's not that bad. But, uh, but we all have issues, don't we? Uh, and, and our issues, oftentimes, I mean, they cause friction in our relationships with one another. And, uh, and thirdly, most of the time, we avoid dealing with those problems. We just don't address the issues and the sin in each other's lives because it's uncomfortable. Instead, we find ourselves just tiptoeing around the issues, uh, hoping that they'll, they'll just go away, uh, or maybe dealing with them in, in hurtful ways uh, by, by complaining or gossiping or, or abandoning the relationship. Uh, we, we rarely... Uh, just get down to it and confront the elephants. Uh, but last week, I encouraged you uh, to have those difficult conversations. And, and if you missed, uh, you can uh, listen online uh, still and, and hear some of the benefits of, of getting the courage up to actually confront the elephants in, in the room. Because among other things, it, it can help to preserve and even grow uh, our relationships with one another. It, it helps to solve problems and it empowers change to happen. But today I want to approach this from a different angle. You see, sometimes you can find yourself in a relationship with a person uh, who is just oblivious, like completely unaware of uh, their their problem or their sin or their issue or whatever. Maybe maybe uh, maybe they're somewhat aware, but they're they're maybe not aware of the extent of the problem. Uh, this has happened to you before, hasn't it? I mean, you've got that coworker who 
pushes her way into every conversation and is always turning things around to talk about something in her life. And, and, and she's always one-upping your story with something going on with her. And, and she just seems clueless uh, about how she's coming across to others. Or your friend. Goodness, your friend has that, a, a foul mouth. And it never was a problem before until your kids started repeating what he was saying. And, and now you feel like you've got to do something about it. Uh, or, or your son is, is, is having a difficult time uh, holding down a job and seems completely unaware that it's his lack of responsibility that seems to be following him through all these ups and downs and challenges in his career. Um, you, you see the patterns of the, the self-destructive behavior in your, your close friend's life, uh, someone in the church, in your journey group, but it's clear that, that she doesn't see the severity of the problem. She doesn't see how it's affecting not just herself, but, but others and even her witness. So, so today, the, the key point that I want to emphasize is this. In order to solve a problem, uh, a person must be aware of it. Uh, of course, being aware of a problem doesn't mean it'll automatically be solved, but it'll never be solved until it's brought into the light, until the person becomes aware of it. Awareness always precedes change. And, and, and that's where you and I come in. You know, we can help make others aware of the problems that are just plaguing them in their lives. And I, I can see some of your faces right now, you're thinking, awesome, pastor just gave me permission to call everybody else out on their stuff. And others of you are thinking, no, please don't ever make me do something like that. Uh, but, but seriously, if someone you care about is in the dark about some, some sin, some destructive behavior, some activity that is harming their relationships, then your role can be to help to turn on the light. Uh, of course, you may ask the question, why, why should I do that? Why would I ever want to do that? And, and simply, uh, you know, I spelled out last week some of the benefits, uh, but, but let me just simply say that if you're a follower of Jesus, then it is partly your responsibility to help shed the light of Christ into dark areas, even dark areas of of other people's lives. Now, li listen to the way, the way that God uh, spells this out in the Old Testament. Uh, God is speaking to um, his prophet Ezekiel. Uh, I know Ezekiel is in a place where most of us go for encouragement in the scriptures. Uh, Ezekiel, though, uh, if you're uh, unaware, Ezekiel was, was charged with a very difficult task of pointing out the sin and the brokenness and the injustice that his own people were perpetrators of. And, and so God says this to Ezekiel. He said, if I, God, warn the wicked, saying, you are under the penalty of death, but you, Ezekiel, you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible, demanding your blood for theirs. If you warn them, and they keep on sinning and refuse to repent, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved your life because you did what you were told to do. But, here's the part I want you to hear. But if you warn them and they repent, they will live. And you will have saved your own life too. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, then it is your 
responsibility to lovingly help your brothers and sisters in Christ see their, the, the sin in their lives, its effects on them and others, and to encourage repentance. Encourage, in, in other words, encourage them turning away from their sin and turning toward God. The affirmation that you just made a few moments ago. Of course, I don't want to assume that everyone here today is a follower of Jesus. Uh, and, and if you're not, uh, I, I just want to say I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. I, I hope you feel welcome. I want, want this. We all want this to be a safe place where you can investigate the, the claims of the, the scriptures, the claims of, of Christ in a safe, uh, in a safe place uh, at your own pace. Uh, but, but as you investigate uh, the claims of Jesus, please know that, that part of that for Christians means that we have this biblical mandate to, to care for one another. That, that we are not just people unto ourselves. We have this shared responsibility for each other, and we, we don't do this life alone. Uh, we, we are called to help each other grow into more wholehearted followers of Jesus. We are charged not only with our own well-being, but with the health and the growth and the well-being of one another. And that can be a beautiful, beautiful thing um, in the body of Christ. It can also uh, inevitably, in that kind of a community, as you support one another, there will be times where, where it's a challenge, where it's difficult, where, where you are called to shine the, the light of Christ into some dark areas. Uh, and there will be times when you need to help lovingly make somebody that you care about aware of a problem. Uh, of something that is hindering their growth, uh, hurting their relationships, maybe damaging themselves physically or, or emotionally or, or spiritually. So how do you do that? How, how do you begin to help those in your life become aware of a problem that is both hurting themselves and, and hurting others too? Uh, well, well, consider this approach. Here are uh, just a, a handful of things. I'll, I'll share them relatively quickly, and then we're going to uh, really struggle with a diff, particular difficult type of situation uh, that God's word will help us navigate. Uh, but a first step, just if, if you're gearing up to confront an elephant, uh, is, is just to assume innocence in the person that you're confronting. That, that is, assume that the reason that they're not doing anything to address the problem is maybe because they're, they're, they're just not aware of it in their lives. Uh, assume the best in the person that you are approaching. Uh, assume that, that may, maybe they know the problem, they just don't know the, the severity. And if they did, that, that they certainly would want to, to seek change. And, and in case you encounter resistance or defensiveness, which I, I'm sure you will um, in, in some of your relationships, uh, it, it happens, uh, I'm gonna address that next week. So there's your carrot. Um, um, we'll do that next week. But, but also, when you approach uh, someone about a problem uh, that you see in their behavior or their, their attitude, do everything you can to, to, to be humble uh, about it. Acknowledge that, that you yourself aren't, aren't perfect and, and that there are plenty of things that, that you could be confronted on and, and that, that you're open. You're open to hearing how you uh, can grow, maybe how you're contributing to uh, the problem also. Uh, assure the person that this isn't about you trying to impart your great wisdom on them or to be better than them or holier than thou. You're, you're simply trying to help them see what it is that they might not see 
themselves. Now, this may go without saying, but you, you definitely need to have a, a heart that empathizes uh, with the, the person that you're speaking with, that you're confronting. I, I mean, just imagine how you would feel if someone was engaging in one of those difficult conversations with you. Do the best that you can to put yourself in their shoes and approach it in as sensitive a way as, as you can. Um, uh, consider how your words come across. And at the same time, though, you, you need to balance that with, with really making sure that you're direct. Right, I mean, sometimes in our desire to lessen the blow, uh, we, we're not clear about what it is that we're saying. We just beat around the bush and we're kind of secretly hoping that they're going to get the clue and they're going to know what you're talking about and, and that they're just automatically going to do something about it without you having to say the hard words. Um, and, and that just, that when you're not direct, the problems oftentimes persist because we didn't help them become aware truly. Um, and, and it's only going to do more damage or hurt more later. Uh, being direct can be a lifeline to someone who needs to hear the truth. Uh, as always, when, when confronting someone, when bringing up a problem, you need to be specific. Uh, we, we've all been there at times, right, where somebody's coming and with, with some issue and it's just a bunch of generalities and then we feel like we're just being picked on, right? <laughs> but so, so, so be, be specific. Don't, don't come out with a laundry list of all, but, but just be, be specific. Uh, that that uh, it, it helps. Uh, but but uh, one of the most important things that you can do to help a person become aware of a problem is to help them become aware of the problem's effect. Um, he may already be aware that there's a problem, but he might not know the extent of the problem. Uh, she might see how her behavior is hurting herself, but she might not, um, might not understand how it's affecting everybody around her, too. Help, help to point out the effects of the problem, and you can do so in a few different areas. The, the obvious effects on the person them, himself or herself. Uh, you, you can share very directly how it's affecting you. Um, and you can also help to point out how it's affecting others around you, other relationships. Um, and particularly if they're a Christian, how this affects their witness for Jesus in the world. I mean, this awareness really could be the most powerful catalyst for true change to take place. Uh, but, but finally, when confronting a person uh, about a problem, it's vitally important that you you request change. You're not just bringing up a problem to push somebody down or make them feel condemned, but, but your desire is for real change to happen. That, this may require some extra thought on your part. What, what change options do you see uh, as appropriate? You can help spell them out. Obviously, you can't force a person to change, but you can help to paint uh, a positive way forward. Uh, does that person need to simply stop the behavior? Or, or uh, maybe, maybe it involves uh, some, some counseling or starting to do something else. What, what change is it that you desire that you think would be helpful? Um, request change. But never forget that your role of lovingly helping someone that you care about become aware of a problem or an issue or uh, something that's, that's causing harm to them and others in your relationship, it, it can be one of the greatest gifts that that person ever receives. Don't forget that. Um, but, but what if? What if simply helping a person become aware of a problem 
doesn't yield change. What, what do you do then? Uh, what, what, if, what if even they have a positive response? They, they, they receive your words. They, they know that you love them. They, they, they know that you want uh, their best. You have their best in mind. They want to change, but they, they can't seem to stop the destructive behavior or, or change the sin patterns. What, maybe, maybe they're in too deep or or possibly these, these patterns are just uh, too ingrained or they seem paralyzed to take action that would actually result in change. Uh, you know, you may have noticed that today's message is entitled, I'm out of control. What, what, if, what if they want to change, but they don't seem to have control over it? Well, what if... It's beyond their grasp. Uh, what if the real change that you seek for your life, that you long for, seems out of your reach because you are out of control? Something else seems to be in charge. You know, or they know, what they want to do, but they just don't seem to be able to stop the destructive cycle in their lives. It, maybe it parallels what the Apostle Paul uh, wrote about himself in his letter to the church in Rome. Hear, hear these words. Paul, reflecting on his own heart and spirit, he said, I am sold into slavery with sin as my master. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong, but I can't help myself because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. I know I am rotten through and through so, as, so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight. It makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? You didn't know something like that was in the Bible, did you? You know what Paul is speaking about here? I mean, it's addiction, isn't it? And when we laughed at the video we saw earlier about Jordan's kind of sort of made up, uh, addiction to the cardinals really inside we're all thinking yep that's what it's like that's what it's like to be trapped to be obsessed or addicted and really uh, when we're honest about it it's it's nothing that we want to chuckle about um, it's it's much more of a crying matter problems that never seem to go away generally point to some level of addiction in our lives. 
And, and our addictions become our absolute worst enemies. They enslave us. Uh, just like Paul said, uh, like he spoke of, they take away our freedom to do what we want to do. They control us. And, and you, you know uh, when, uh, when we describe addictions, uh, one of, one of the, the, the types of language that the scriptures use that have an awful lot of parallels is idolatry. You know, where the objects of our addictions become little false gods in our lives or, or big false gods in our lives where we, we worship them, we attend to them, we commit our time and our energy and our heart toward them. We become attached to something that is not God. And we enter into a state of compulsion or obsession or preoccupation, and it's enslaving. You know, the Bible describes it this way. Uh, in Second Peter, it says that you are a slave to whatever controls you. But these idols, these addictions, they're, they're all around us uh, all, all the time. They compete for uh, our allegiance, and they somehow convince us that we're better off with them than we are with God. Now, I, I know that most of us, when we think about addictions, we, we rightfully, we, we think about things like drugs or alcohol or maybe uh, pornography or, or something that, that has very obvious destructive uh, effects in our lives. Uh, and yet there are so many other addictions that, that enslave us with just as destructive effects. Uh, here are some of the addictions that I, I myself have had uh, to struggle with and, and seek God's healing power in, in my life. Uh, an addiction to uh, a desire for approval, uh, of a need to be right, uh, comparing myself with others unhealthily, uh, winning, uh, or, or at the very least not failing. Uh, now, now you know why it's so hard for me to be a Bears fan, right? <laughs> uh, but, but all kidding aside, that these are pursuits that can and have enslaved me at different times in my life. Maybe they have for you too, or, or, or maybe yours uh, relate to food or, or sex or, or money or maybe a desire to be loved or, or a hobby that seems innocent enough but, but entraps you like, like video games or, or your phone or, uh, or a particular relationship that you just can't do without. Uh, maybe for you it's material stuff uh, that just makes you feel secure or, or shopping. Uh, there, there are countless possibilities for uh, addictions and idolatry. Of course, not all addictions have the same level of destructiveness. Some, some cause friction in relationships. Others destroy relationships. Some cause us heartache. Uh, others can cause a heart attack. Uh, but uh, the common theme of addiction is what Paul identified. You know what you want to do. You know what is right to do, and yet you can't seem to be able to do it. You know what is good, and you don't do it because something else seems to be in control, because something else has its evil claws just in you. It may even be a good thing, like, uh, like your career or uh, your relationship with, with your child. 
But if you've made that relationship or that pursuit an obsession, then, then it's gone too far. It has control over you. You are its slave, and that's sin. Right, pure, pure and simple, that's sin. But if you were someone that you care about, recognizes this truth, if you're aware of the problem, if you're aware of the addiction and it, that, it, that it has its claws in you, that you're under its power, if you've realized that you're addicted and that you are out of control, please hear me on this. There's hope. That there is, is hope for you. You see, you, you can be set free. That song we, that we just sang, I don't know if you've heard that song before, but that is, that is one of my favorite songs. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Only God can set you free. God doesn't want you to be addicted. He loves you. He wants you to be free, but you can only be free through his grace in your life. Grace is the only thing that can set you free from addiction. Only the unconditional, undeserved love of God can set you free from all that enslaves you. And, and as Christians, we believe that that grace is made possible through Jesus Christ. Listen to how Paul puts it also in his letter to the Romans. He said, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he puts it this way after he, he talks about the power of sin and addiction in, in um, uh, chapter 7. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? And then he says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. You know, under the power of sin in our lives, we are slaves, we are helpless to be set free from our problems, from our addictions. We're trapped, we're, we're without hope. But under the grace and the unconditional love of Jesus, we are no longer condemned to suffer under sin. Instead, we are given the power to be set free from all that hinders us, all, all the behaviors that, that rule us, all the destructive patterns that, that ruin our, our lives, that break our relationships and break the, the lives of the people around us. We can be set free by the grace of God. Now, addictions can be so destructive, but... There's, there's something about addictions that, that is really quite a gift. You see, addictions humble us. It is very humbling when someone confronts the elephant in your heart that they see in your life. It's even more humbling when you yourself come to a point of acknowledging that you are out of control, that, that you are powerless against whatever it is that is gripping you. There is something amazingly humbling with that. No matter how hard you try, you, you know that you are stuck. And, and that is the hidden gift of addiction. When you come to the place of admitting what it is that you need to admit, that you are utterly dependent and desperately need God, 
know, pride, pride makes you feel okay with your problems. Pride says, you're in control. You don't have to worry about this. And, and pride, friends, pride will destroy your life because you're not in control. You can't handle it. Problems in general and addictions in particular help to defeat pride. It, it is the hidden gift of addiction that makes us more open to God's grace, that makes us more open to that, that grace of God, the love of God that accepts us right where we are and offers to take us places that we only dreamed of and we gave up hope a long time ago to ever get to. It's that love of God that offers to have our encapsulate our identity so that we don't have to seek approval from elsewhere. That grace of God that can be our security so that we don't have to build up a fortress of stuff around us or a large bank account to help us feel safe. It's the love of God that can really bring true comfort, not, not some false comfort that we try to create ourselves, but a supernatural comfort that even allows us to face death. And the great news about being in community is that, that we don't just get to be truth tellers to each other, but we get to be grace givers to one another. Where, yeah, we, we risk the courage, uh, risk the possibility of causing friction by, by confronting the truth and, and identifying the elephants in the room, but, but that we also get to pour out the love of Jesus Christ on one another. Friends, don't, don't, don't miss this vision. I mean, this is, this is my hope. I think this is God's hope for, for our community. The way we do life together is that, yes, we will, be, we will be truth tellers to one another, but also that we will be living, breathing conduits of God's grace and mercy where we can look one another in the face in the midst of addiction and problems that, that are causing friction and just, just destroying our lives. And we can look each other in the face and say, God's not through with you yet. You are forgiven. There's hope. With God's help, you can overcome this addiction and I will walk by your side until, until, we, get, until we get through it together. And, and one of the great ways that we get to give grace to one another is, is by praying for one another. Don't miss the power of prayer to, to help others become aware of the problems, but also to help one another be set free by the grace of God. Of course, there will be times when you shine the light of Christ into a dark place and in someone's life, and yet they continue to persist in that destructive behavior. Uh, keep praying. Do not stop praying for them. Don't give up. Keep at it at all costs. Shine the light of Christ into the dark places and don't stop praying for them. And God has entrusted you and me with, with, with his light to, to shine into the dark places. And, and friend, if you are here today or you're, you're listening online later and you're stuck in that dark place, know that there are others in this community who want to journey alongside you and will not stop praying for you. So let's turn to God in prayer even right now. Heavenly Father, this is tough stuff that you've called us to. To boldly enter the, the darkness armed with the light of your Son. Lord, help us root out whatever idols we have in our lives and, and just have them be exposed 
to your truth. And, and may your grace, Lord, just wash over us in such a powerful way that, that the sin and the brokenness and the addictions are, are just, just flooded away. Lord, we hold our community up to you, those in our lives, maybe even sitting next to us right now who are trapped. Maybe even ourselves. Please, Father, even now, would you break the chains that are binding us? Yes, the, the chains that we're aware of, but even the chains that we are not aware of. Lord, would you weaken sin's grip on our hearts so that we can be set free, free to love you more deeply, follow you more completely into the life that we were always meant to live. God, we hold this up to you. We pray it desperately in the name of Jesus who made it all possible. Amen.